Hi, my name is Isaac, lead pastor at New Hope Foursquare Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Our Sunday services are at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. Find out more at www.inewhope.org. We're going to be using our text in service. Many of you have used this before, um, but uh, you'll have a chance to log on to that in just one sec. But we're continuing in our Advent series as we look forward towards the birth of Christ, as we join with all of humanity as they've been waiting for this singular moment of the birth of Christ. Last week, we explored the waiting experience by all of humanity as we look towards the fulfillment that we so desperately need. That Jesus is the answer that we've been waiting for. Um, I love answers. I love answers. Uh, One of my favorite memories growing up is when my dad would go out of town. I would go over to grandma and grandpa's house, and we'd eat dinner at 4.15. If you've ever been to grandma and grandpa's house, you know how that goes. Uh, You eat dinner at 4.15, and then... What are you ready for? With a full belly, you're ready to watch Jeopardy. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. The family competitions that go on with that. Um, as I look back at this, man, this, this is probably the point in which, in which my curiosity was piqued for all of these things. I wanted answers. I learned all kinds of cool things. Um, uh, I love to learn about ancient military conquests the perfect fishing knot, uh, and the expeditions that have taken place on Mount Everest. I love learning about the migration patterns of the Canadian goose and the reason that trout generally face upstream. I'm surprised you didn't know all that stuff. So, um, do we have any trivial pursuit fans in the house? Okay, all six of you. All right, fantastic. The rest of you are like, I'm more of a wheel of fortune type of person. And that's okay. We love you too. Okay. But I left my cheesy blazer at home. Actually, I almost wore my cheesy blazer and then remembered that I would be talking about this and it would be a little on the nose. So um, let's give this a try. If you want to get out your phones, um, we've got instructions on how to log on if you want to be able to participate in this. It's a text in. You know, 22333 to New Hope um, or pollev.com forward slash New Hope. Are you with me? Are you, are you ready? Yes. Get your buzzer ready. All right. All right. In the song Frosty the Snowman, what made Frosty come to life? Was it A, his corncob pipe, B, his button nose, or C, an old silk hat? Not to be confused with a new silk hat, an old silk hat. Yeah, yeah button nose. You're, yeah. Who's picking button nose? Good job. Way to go against the grain. That's right. Oh, corncob pipe. You're like, no, mm-mm, no, mm-mm. I'm pick someone, someone didn't. Well, those of you who picked old silk hat, well done. Good job. You guys did it. Old silk hat. All right. Let's go to the next one. Per a recent holiday fad, what spy hides around the house reporting back to Santa on who has been naughty and nice? A, is it mensch on a bench? B, elf on a shelf? Or C, Chris on a block of Swiss? 
That, mensch on a bench, yeah, that, yeah. yeah. Which, just so you know, mensch is actually Yiddish for like a good guy. So you learn something new. You come to church, you learn all kinds of stuff. That'll come in handy. Those of you who wrote Elf on a Shelf, well done. Good job. You guys, awesome job. I would say, though, if someone could make me Chris on a block of Swiss that I could hide around my house, that'd be really funny. All right, next one. How can I register for men's retreat? Okay, is it A, at the connection counter? B, online at inewhope.org forward slash sign up? C, through an elaborate network of carrier pigeons? Or D, both A and B? Yeah, there we go. Some of you are like, I want to see the carrier pigeons. If we could do that, oh man. So good. Well, that's very good job. You guys did a good job with answer D at the connection counter or online. Very good job. You guys are clutch. Man, you guys are doing so well. Well, I would say this. God created us all with a thirst for knowledge. We like to know things. And I'd say, well, it's fun and intriguing to learn about new concepts. We all love learning new things. There are some questions we have in our lives that we don't have an answer to. That for many of us, these questions that we ask daily, maybe for decades, keep us up at, at, at night. We struggle with these. These are the questions that when we go to our deep, dark times of prayer, when we're really feeling it, when we're feeling the pressures of this world, we ask these very questions. Questions like this. Why is my family still divided even though I try my best to keep everyone happy? Have you been there? Why am I always met with opposition when I try to go to church? when I start trying to read my Bible, when I start trying to practice any of the practices of the Christian faith. How many of you have asked this one? Why do, why do bad things happen to good people? These are the questions that we don't think about when life is good, when our 401k is full, when we have equity inside of our home, when our grades are doing well, but when life starts to barrel down on us, these are the questions that we need an answer to, that we need God to show up in, that this God who incarnated himself, who was born as a human, we need him to show up, be born into our lives. We need an answer. And as we will see, unanswered questions in our lives put us in good company. Just like the, the Israelites for thousands of years, God's chosen people, we're going to see they were waiting for Jesus. They had a question, how would our world be different? How would they be saved? How would God help them? We join in good company, asking these very same, very same same questions. We join in a chorus of millions of souls searching for answers, meaning, and uh, identity. We all have this feeling that God has put inside of our souls that there has to be something better than this. Have you felt that, friends? Yes. Well, let's pray. Lord, I pray that as we pursue these questions, God, I pray that we could wrestle with them, Lord. 
God, help us feel these questions in the depths of our soul. God, even those of us who have answers to these, I I pray that we feel them afresh because you have a fresh level of understanding for us. Something new for us to come back to that is as old as the beginning of time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to go back to the beginning here. We're going to go back to the very start. The very first book of the Bible, actually. We're going to be in the book of Genesis, chapter 3. If you'd like to turn there, turn there now, or you can follow along on the screen. But we're going to go back to the start. If we want to talk about how Jesus applies to our life right now, and he is the answer to all of our questions, we got to go back to where these questions started. To the beginning. Genesis. And as... The Israelites were waiting for Jesus for thousands of years. They were having to lean upon the promises of God. Scholars actually say that, that, that there were over 300 prophecies, or prophecies is just a term. It's just a, another term for the promises of God, future predictions. But there were over 300 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. And even more that he will when he returns a second time. So at the beginning, people have been waiting for Jesus to show up in their lives. You're joining in this chorus. Doesn't that feel good to link arms, reach back for generations and generations? And they were waiting in a similar landscape as our own. People who were demolished by war, by poverty, by governmental structures, by racism, by pagan gods, by inequality, by classism. Listen, all of these people were waiting for something to change. Have you ever sat in a moment of time and just waited for something to change? Not just in your own life, maybe in the lives of your family. Not just in in your own life, but maybe in in your town. Maybe you're looking things in Salem-Kaiser and you need change. Maybe as you look across our our, our world, our cultural landscape, the cultural waters we're swimming in and think something has to be able to change. And this is what we join into, that humanity has been waiting for something to change. Like us, they hoped for something, yet had no clue how the fulfillment would, would come. Have you ever noticed of this? Have you ever noticed this? Is that when... When we're in a dark place, when we're asking these, these questions, it's funny how even a glimmer of hope can, can just make our spirits soar. How even when we're, we just can't stop looking down into the despair that is our lives, maybe that's a little strong, maybe it's not. But as we're here, just a glimmer of, of, of hope, man, we just start to feel that rise inside of our soul. And that's what we find. We're going to read out of Genesis chapter 3. Even when things went wrong, instantly when things went wrong, that God would put this seed of hope that would bring all of humanity from looking down into the despair that is our lives up towards a Savior looking forward. And I'll say even the feelings right now, for those of you who are in despair right now, who are experiencing sadness and heartache and brokenness, maybe your families are destroyed. Maybe things are great, but you know something else is right around that corner. That even as I talk about it right now, that your hearts are drawn towards hope. 
When I say there's something better, something inside of your soul rises up and says, amen, that has to be true. And that, my friends, is what God has put inside of you. That's how God has created you as a being that is stirred by hope. So we're at the beginning here in the book of Genesis, and we'll see that Adam and Eve, the first created beings, they eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil when they were told not to. But they eat of this tree, they sinned, That's the, this is what they did, and instantly they feel shame. They did something wrong, they feel shame, and they hid from God. Have you ever experienced that? You do something wrong that you know you shouldn't do, or you come to find out later that you did something you shouldn't do, and you instantly feel shame, and the things of God you just want to be able to hide from. And that's where we're going to pick this story up. God shows up on the scene, and um, this scene is set by Adam and Eve and the serpent, who represents the, the enemy of our souls, Satan. And we're going to explain that a bit further here. But he's talking to the serpent here, and this is what he says. It's in Genesis chapter 3, verse 14, 15. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed, more than all the, the animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on, on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. We're going to... We're going to concentrate on verse 15 here. This is one of the most misunderstood verses. Um, and, and it's one of those that we read through. If you are doing a Bible series and you're reading through your Bible and you read that and go, huh, that's nice. Let's move on to something that makes a little bit more sense. So I, my hope, my prayer is that I'm going to bring a little clarity to this because this is the first mention of the, of the answer that people are going to be waiting for for thousands and thousands of years. And this is the answer that we're living into right now. Okay? Verse 15. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman. Since Eve, we have seen that we have an enemy of our souls. We have an enemy of our souls. There is hostility between the human race and Satan. We'll see that, that we, when we're trying to pursue God, we can experience friction. Have you ever experienced friction? Maybe it's as you read your Bible. Maybe you make a, make a commitment to start showing up to church on a regular basis or join a rooted group, or join Alpha, or go to the men's retreat, that all of a sudden things aren't, things aren't going well? Have you ever felt that? What I'm explaining here is the enemy of our souls, right from this verse, it says, and I will cause hostility between you and the woman. We experience hostility in our lives. As we chase after God, we, we experience this type of hos, uh, hostility. We experience resistance as we start to pursue a closer relationship with God. I would venture to say that this is actually a good thing. 
If you're experiencing friction in your life right now, not because of the choices, maybe you're making poor, poor choices, that's not what I'm talking about. But if you're experiencing hostility and friction in your life as you pursue God, you are in good company. You're probably on the right path. The enemy of our souls who comes to steal, kill, and destroy doesn't want you getting closer to God because God wants to transform your life. He wants you to be closer to him. The God who says my yoke is easy and and, and my burden is light that your soul is drawn towards. Yes, I want that. The enemy of your souls does does not want that. And so since the beginning of the time, we see, we see lots and lots of friction. You're fighting an uphill battle, but it's worth it. Those of you who just went through Rooted, those of you who just went through uh, Alpha, good job. We already, have, we already have dozens of people signed up for the next Alpha and Rooted. You are investing in your spiritual transformation, and good job. That's good. Your, God is restoring things inside of your life. And the next part of the verse here, and between your offspring and her offspring, between your offspring and her offspring, we see in John chapter 8 um, that, that, that Jesus is speaking to this crowd. This crowd was gathered and they wanted to, um, they, they wanted to stone this woman. They, they wanted to murder her for adultery. Okay? They were, they were seeking to, to destroy this, this woman. And I, I use that, that, that phrase because we see... Uh, uh, what, what Jesus is going to say to them applies right back to Genesis chapter 3. Jesus says to this group who is, is not walking in, in unity, they are disunified. He says this, For you are children of your father, the devil, and you look to do the evil things he does. Right? Those who are not seeking after unity between the human race are children uh, of the devil, between the serpent's offspring and Eve's offspring. That's what we see. It didn't take long after the fall, after Adam and Eve. You see the whole Old Testament. It starts off in the very next chapter. Cain murders Abel. Cain murders Abel. Right away, destruction has set its course. The enemy of our souls and the souls of all all of humanity is bent on destroying people by destroying unity of humanity. That's what what we see. Have you ever noticed the, the division among people in this world? The division that is so rampant. Jump onto your social media. Not, not now. Um, you can get to that in just a sec. But if you jump on there, it doesn't take long to, to start to see the malice, hatred, slander, backbiting, the gaslighting, and the sincere destruction of humankind. Those who are mild, mild-mannered. You could meet them in a grocery line at at the uh, store, and they would say, oh, you only have a few items. Why don't you go in front of me? You know, I don't, I'm Luigi. You know, I don't know what that is. <laughs> Just practicing all of my accents this morning. I mean, but those same people, we get on Facebook, and we're like, bam, 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 boo, 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 boo. 
we're just set on destroying people. How quick are, are our hearts moved away from the things of God? Unity isn't even a thought. It's how can we camp on our side and throw arrows and darts at the, the other. This is an effect of the fall. Not only does the enemy of our souls seek to cause division between us and God, he seeks to cause division inside of mankind. Do you see this? This has been going on since the beginning of time, since Genesis chapter 3. We see this. And this is the story we're, we're living into. Because we have sought human wisdom to solve our, our divided world. We've sought human wisdom. Human wisdom. And in the words of Dr. Phil, how's that working out for you? <laughs> See, I get to try all of the accents. They all sound the same, but that's okay. <laughs> We've tried this. We've tried military might. We've used this. If we can only use power, and we'll get back to that, uh, if we can only use power to enforce unity, it will be the answer. And that has not solved it. Not once has that solved it. We have tried to legislate unity. If we only had laws in place to enforce unity, it will be the answer. Has that solved it? No, it hasn't. There has to be another way. Even in our own families, we try to reason, to counsel, to, to enforce, and yet we're left with brokenness. I'm thinking about last night. I'm on my way home in my, in my old Honda uh, Odyssey. My kids are all the way in the back, so I can't reach them. So I'm doing this move as they're fighting. You parents know what I'm talking about. You This move, they're 30 feet away, but you're trying to strike fear. But they're fighting. And I'm like, if you guys don't get along, if you don't stop fighting, you're grounded. <laughs> Did that work? No, it did not. But it does not stop me from, from trying. This is going on inside of our own families. This is what's going, going on. There has to be a better way. Right? We started here. We started in the book of Genesis. And we're inextric inextricably linked right now with, with these same, same people asking the same question. There has to be a better way. So let's go back um, to verse 15 as a whole, um, because biblical scholars call this verse the proto-evangelium. Let's say that together. It's just fun to say, and you sound really smart. Proto-evangelium. <laughs> that sounds good. Good job. This is the earliest mention of the gospel here. We're going to see that Jesus was plan A, that he is... The answer from the very start where things went, went wrong. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. See, her is referring to, to, to Eve, right? Between her offspring, it's referring to Eve. That out of the offspring of Eve, everything would be radically changed. Out of the offspring of Eve, humanity would have an answer that they so desperately desire. 
Let's go back to Luke 2. This is a familiar passage. This is a Christmas passage here that we read every year. And look what God has done. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the field nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. Catch this. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, yes, the promised one from Genesis chapter 3, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. We'll also see in, in, in a Luke, right? If you read in the book of Luke, you see the genealogy of, of, of Jesus. Luke pointed all the way back that the genealogy of Jesus went, went all the way back to Adam and Eve. Why? Because he wanted to point back to this fact. That right here would be the answer to life in of itself would be found inside of Jesus Christ. Mankind, wading through heartache, violence, disunity, and pain, would finally have answers to this thousand and thousand year old prophecy in Jesus Christ. They would discover that Jesus was the answer, much like us, right? Sitting in this room, the longer we chase after Jesus, the more that we know that Jesus is the answer to our lives, to all of these all of these questions. And moving on to this next phrase, he will strike your head and you, would stri- and you will strike his heel. Re- remember, he's talking to the serpent. He's talking to Satan. See, Jesus would quite literally have his heel struck as he was nailed to the cross. Jesus would literally have his heel struck. This, wound would, he, this wounded heel would not be fatal. It would not be fatal. It would not be fatal. That the enemy of our souls who comes in to steal, kill, and destroy, that wants to separate us from God, he wants to cause friction inside of your life and my life as we pursue the things of God, the enemy of our souls who who is trying to bring disunity across all of humanity, that something would change through the wounded heel of Jesus Christ. His heel would literally be struck. The Son of God nailed, nailed to the cross would rise again three days later, though. It would not be the end of him. However, it would be through this wound that he would bruise the head of the enemy. I don't know about you, but I would much rather have a bruised heel than a bruised head. This term that he was using, he was going to crush Satan through this act. Through Jesus Christ being wounded, through him being hung on the cross, something would forever change. So we go to Colossians chapter 2. It says this. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. 
In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross because Jesus wins. Jesus wins. That we don't have to experience friction or when we do, we know who is causing that. And we know how we can over, uh, overcome. Jesus gave us a way to God. And between the dis, disunity experience between, between us, between our families, in, in our workplaces, all of that would forever be wiped out and solved through, through the cross of Jesus Christ, through his wounded heel. That's it. The answer all of humanity was and still is searching for is found in in Jesus Christ. In the light of the cross, Jesus also, this is what he did. He disarmed the power structures that lead towards our disunity. Read this. This is found in Galatians chapter 3. It says this. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. He's speaking of unity here. And I don't want to skip over this fact. This can be a whole sermon in of itself. But it was through Jesus' weakness, it, it, it was through his wound, his actual wounded heel, that he would have victory. Man, us, in our context, in our culture, we celebrate the powerful, right? Who have any sports fans uh, out there? We love it. When a big guy, LeBron, dunks over the top top of someone and he posters them and he stands over the top of them, this might and this victory that we salivate uh, over, this victory sense, Jesus would say, among you, things are going to be different. It's going to be through my weakness. It's through his wounds. And I want to speak to you. If you feel like you have a wound, if you've been wounded in this world, if you've been wounded in this world, I just want you to, to, to know that that's where God is gonna, going to bring victory inside of your life. That's how he will use you to minister to other people. I'm a walking testimony of this fact. I will tell you, tell you this. I'll pull up on my couch and lean back. I'm in a counselor's office right now, okay? For me, one of my biggest wounds, the place that I feel the most shame over is my stutter. But I'll tell you what, that's where I feel Jesus working through me more than anything else. What the enemy of my soul wants to use to crush me, to steal, to kill, and destroy The enemy wants to use that inside of my life, but guess where I experience the most victory? It's in my weakness that Jesus is made strong. And so that's what we experience through the cross. In humility, he submitted himself to the will of the Father. And in the same way, if you are a Jesus follower, that's the way he calls us forward, is in humility. It's in weakness. It is by submission, it is through our weakness that the Jesus follower lives in the light of the cross. Your victory inside of your life will come through humility. That's it, friends. It is not the powerful. It is the weak. That's what he wants to be able to work, work through. 
It is during this Advent season that we celebrate the humble Jesus, born of a virgin, born of a virgin in a nothing town in a small barn. Jesus was the answer that people waited for for thousands of years. You and I are living in this moment right now. Let, let this sink in. That for thousands and thousands of years, people dealing with the despair of this world were waiting for this day that this Christmas season would bring. That we celebrate on December 25th. We celebrate the birth of not a man, but a man-God who would save the whole world. Thousands of years, people were waiting for this very moment where people could be able to encounter God and have unity with each other. We're living in that right now, friends. We get the gift of living in that moment right now. Jesus was the answer that people waited for, and he is the the answer in your life right now. That seems like a blanket statement, and if you want to talk further, I will... I would love to talk more. There may be specifics for you, but I guarantee you that Jesus and being transformed by him and letting him work inside of your life is the answer. So what do we do? One, we walk in humility. Jesus, the son of God, born as a humble carpenter from a nowhere town in Nazareth, showed us the way forward. Lead forward in your life in all things in humility. When in doubt, humble yourself. If you don't know what to do, humble yourself. If you're frustrated with a situation, ask God to show you for what you need to repent for. Lead forward by asking God to change you first before he changes everything else. Two, pray for those that have hurt you. Pray for those that have hurt you. I don't stand in this room thinking that that everything in your life is perfect. There are people that have, have wounded you. I'm sure of that, of that fact. But I'm telling you this. God wants to transform your life. We've been saying this for months. So we're not thinking things. We're doing things that you can actually direct your thoughts and feel. If you're experiencing friction with somebody else, watch how God changes your, your heart by praying for that person. And see how Jesus shapes your heart into more like his. Three, continue to be formed. Sign up for Alpha. Sign up for Rooted. And, or if you're the right gender for it, sign up for the men's retreat. If you're not, I'm sorry. Uh, we'll have a uh, women's retreat next year. So. Um, but be formed. Do things that are forming you. And four, Direct your heart through uh, action. We're going to be working uh, in this village, uh, Sheo in, in Guatemala. We are partnering with Food for the Hungry. Um, they have been impacting and, and empowering villages um, for 47 years. For 47 years, they have changed hundreds and hundreds of villages, transformed them spiritually and uh, physically. So we're going to watch a short video that'll show us a bit more about them. This is a heartbeat of Food for the Hungry. The principles that guide us are calling in our response.
we follow Jesus. We are ambassadors of Jesus in our thoughts, words, and deeds. His name represents hope for humanity. We have fixed our eyes on Him and work together as the hands and feet of Jesus to serve the last, the lost, and the least of these. Our work is relational. We pursue reconciled relationships of grace with those with whom we work, partner, and serve. We believe all of God's children were created to love and serve one another. So we walk with some of the most vulnerable people on earth, not as foreigners and outsiders, but as sisters and brothers, lifting a shared burden from the shoulders of our global family. We invest wisely and focus on results. We are stewards in God's kingdom and strive to invest all resources to maximize missional impact. We know that we have been entrusted with each gift we receive and apply every resource intentionally to achieve the greatest level of impact for those living in extreme poverty. We serve with humility. We recognize the dignity of others and put their interests above our own. We empathize with the plight of the impoverished, understanding that these precious souls are people just like you and I. We pursue beauty, goodness, and truth. In a broken world, we are witnesses through our relationships and work of God's beauty, goodness, and truth. In Jesus, all things are given life. His light shines and darkness scatters. At Food for the Hungry, we have cracked open the door to let the light in. The shadow cast by injustice is replaced with brightness and hope. It is in the light of the unity and freedom only found through Jesus, not in the power structures of this world. It's only found through Jesus Christ that we can serve the village of Sheol. This is not a village that needs a powerful Western Savior. I would say this, that we need them as much as they need us. That we are ministered to just as much as we humbly serve them. Remember, the cross has disarmed the power structures that can only bring about disunity. In humility and weakness, we need them. We get the opportunity to f serve our fellow humans. These aren't weak people that need us. These are our fellow humans that we get the opportunity to be able to serve. There will be missions trips and building projects, but this morning, this morning we get the special treat to, to serve the children. There are 30 
packets, actually less, I think, 19 packets out, out, no, 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 not 19 teen packets, no, 19 children, 19 children whose lives are getting ready to be transformed as we partner, not with a good idea, but the good work of Jesus Christ to bring about trans, transformation across this whole globe. You you can do that. If you have kids yourself, go get them from, from the kids' wing right after service. You want to shape the heart of a child? Shape them through, through that. Say, we're going to get $38 less for, for Christmas gifts this year. And I, w- I want you to know that because we're going to partner to change this child's life. So what would it look like if you were walking every day in, in the light of the knowledge of the kingdom of God? That that kingdom waited for for thousands of years is sitting under your feet right now. What would that look like if you regularly walked in that knowledge? What would happen if strongholds were broken and you were chasing Jesus and bringing others with you? Imagine the impact New Hope will have as we are linking arms as spiritually hungry and unencumbered members of the body of Christ pursuing the kingdom of God, not just in your homes, not just in Salem-Kaiser or the state of Oregon, but across the entire globe, thousands of miles away in Shale. Imagine the impact that that could have. Think about your own lives as, as you chase after Jesus and are spiritually formed. I've seen it happen t- time and time uh, again, friends. You want to transform your families? Transform you. Sit at the feet of Jesus and watch the ripple uh, effect across your whole life and everybody connected with you. And what's crazy is when we reach out to this tiny village in Shale, that it won't just change Shale that it could actually reach out and spread its fingers of hope and love across all of Guatemala. I'm not talking about crazy, crazy stuff here. Some of the greatest things God has ever done started small. He was born as we celebrate during this Advent season. It was Jesus who was born as a tiny baby who would go on to save the whole, whole world. Jesus would work through 12 men and women just like me and just like you that, that, that would spread out over thousands of, of, of years and would cause you to be sitting in these seats right now. Start with a small step. Imagine the change that could take place as we partner with Sheo, helping to support stability and human flourishing that will spread. And I've got a final question for you little more game show and let's do it Jeopardy style, okay? The one who has the power to change the whole world by losing. Who is Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ. Lord, I I thank you for the privilege it is to be able to serve you. God, I pray that you've stirred our hearts towards you and your mission, not just for our lives, but for the whole world. God, and for those of us, maybe we've heard the, these verses before, God. We know about, uh, about Jesus, but I pray that we can join in, God, with the words of Paul. I know nothing but Christ and him crucified. God, we just want to serve you. 
For those of you in the room that are hearing this, maybe for the first time, that Jesus has a plan for your life, that Jesus wants to transform you, that there's an opportunity that as you follow after Jesus, as you believe that he was born this season that we celebrate, that God raised him from the dead. Maybe you're believing this for the first time or the first time in a long time. Would you raise your hand? I would just like to agree with you in prayer. I see your hands. Yeah. I see your hand. Yeah. Yeah, I see that hand. And Jesus loves you so much. Anyone else? Yeah, uh, I see those hands. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I see you. God, you are so good. God, you are so good. Can we all pray together with our new friends and family who are choosing to to follow after Jesus? Uh, That's all. I'll pray out loud with gusto. Dear Jesus, thank you for sending your son so that I can have eternal life. So that I can have unity. And I can follow you all the days of my life. Thank you for your gift. In Jesus' name. Amen.